excited to see me but let's show the excitement to God and we celebrate Jesus this morning come on let God know that you are in church this morning somebody give him some shouts in this house if you are excited that God is here this morning give the Lord some shout hallelujah praise God please you may have your seat have your seat it's a great pleasure to be here this morning I know um, I haven't been here in a while, but it's always it's always a joy uh, to to come to fellowship and to speak at the mainland. Um, it's the first time I'm standing in front of your new <laughs> new set. Uh, I've been looking at it online, and I've been wondering what it looked like, what it looks like in real life. So it's good to see. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, before I preach this morning, I have uh, someone in the house that I just want him to, you know, just just say a word to us. Um, uh, he's, um, he's a friend, he's a big brother, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. <laughs> and he's a covenant partner um, in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about none other but Pastor Busuya Rosho of Faith Contenders Ministry from Ontario, Canada. Please let's make him welcome. Pastor B, can you come? Come. Praise God. Uh, in the course of the week, he's been around uh, speaking at a conference in the Bador. And um, on Wednesday, he brought us the word at Switch at the Island Center. And then ran a seminar here on Thursday, I mean on Friday and Saturday, uh, the Faith and Healing Rally. And um, some of us were not here, but the people that were here were really blessed. So the next time you hear that Pastor B is around, whether running a seminar or speaking here, please make sure that you are here. Uh, Pastor B, can you just greet the church? Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm so sorry for the way I'm dressed. I didn't know I was going to say anything. I would have called me my Giorgio Armani suit. I'm kidding. I don't have one, actually. But, uh, praise God. Hallelujah. So, great to see you guys. You're doing well. The church is prospering. Hallelujah. So, when you have a prospering church, it means the people are prospering. And when the people are prospering the church, it means that they're receiving the word of God that is being preached and they're acting upon it. You know what the Bible says? The word preached to one was the same word preached to us. The word preached to us profited us, but the word preached to them did not profit them. And I'm grateful to your pastors, the lead pastor, Pastor Debo here. Great, great, great. The best ministers of the gospel in this whole country. Hallelujah. So guys, uh, listen, obey, and trust. 
and act upon the word of God that is being preached to you. I had the opportunity of preaching a switch um, in the Highland on Wednesday. And I'm so grateful for what they're preaching here. A good name. A good name. That's so important. So please understand it. Act upon it. Because there's nothing you can exchange for a good name. Yeah, God is able to take you from the lowest level to the topmost. I mean, we have all the sort of examples in the Bible. David, um, Joseph, all manner of people in the Bible. There were nobodies. God brought them up. But they got there through integrity, through faith, through acting upon the word of God and being faithful to God. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, sir. Praise God. Don't, don't you feel that Pastor B should just continue? <laughs> but if I do that, he won't forgive me because <laughs> that would be too much of, um, of, of an ambush. Praise God. <laughs> uh, so, Pastor B, we look forward to the next time you're here. Uh, perhaps you, you'll be able to bring God's word on a Sunday morning like this so that many more people can profit uh, from uh, the grace of God of, on your life. Let's make, let's make him welcome one more time. Praise God. Please give your neighbor a smile. Just smile at your neighbor. Let's look out for people who are not smiling. The Bible says it's only a wicked man that hardens his face. Yeah. So if there's any wicked person in the service this morning, we'll know. Because only wicked people don't smile. That's what the scripture says. I didn't say it. The Bible says, said so. A wicked man hardens his face. Yeah. If somebody's not smiling beside you, can you help me ask them, why hardens your face? That's King James English. <laughs> Praise God. It's such a joy to be here. Let's go into the word of God. We started a series last Sunday, A Good Name. And we took our text from Proverbs 22 and verse number 1, which says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And love and favor rather than silver or gold. A good name is to be chosen. And it's very instructive to the end that it's a choice whether I want to have a good name or not. It's a choice. It's a choice to be made. So it's not something to be left to chance. It's a choice to be made. Do I want to have a good name or do I want to have a bad name? What legacy do I want to leave behind? It's a choice that I make consciously. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and love and favor rather than silver and gold. And I love was it the message translation uh, that we're working with last Sunday? The message translation, can you put it up for me if you have it? Message translation. It says, a sterling reputation is better than striking it rich. A country is where everybody wants to strike it rich. But it said, a sterling reputation is better than striking it rich. A gracious spirit is better than money in the bank. Yeah. Because we live in a time and an age where money in the bank is better than anything else. Including heaven. Yeah. Money in the bank. He said, a gracious spirit is better than money in the bank. A sterling reputation is better than striking it rich. Today, we're taking the discussion a little further. We're discussing beyond Sunday Christianity. Beyond Sunday Christianity. How do we go beyond Sunday Christianity? Beyond just showing up in church on Sunday. Beyond being a Christian on Sunday. Where we can be a Christian on a daily basis. 
where our light can shine and other people can partake of it and know that God is at work within us to will and to do of his good pleasure. I'm going to read a few passages of the scripture, maybe two or three, and I'm just going to preach. You know, the style I'm adopting today is I, re- I read all the scriptures and then I just lay everything on it. Are you ready for me? I said, are you ready? Let's start out from First uh, Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1 from uh, verse 18, 19, and 20. I'll read three verses of the scripture there, 18, 19, and 20. First Timothy chapter 1, I read from the Amplified Translation. It says, this command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, so that, in bracket, inspired and aided by them, you may fight a good fight in contending with false teachers. I presume you, you don't have the amplified translation. Because if you do, uh, I want it up so that people will not think I wrote this. I didn't write it. It's Bible I'm reading. Praise God. All right. Okay. So, uh, uh, it says that you may fight the good fight in contending with false teachers. Keeping your faith, in bracket, leaning completely on God with absolute trust and confidence in his guidance. And having a good conscience. Somebody say a good conscience. Somebody say it again. Say a good conscience. If the scripture talks about a good conscience, that means it's possible to have a bad conscience. Yeah. That means a bad conscience exists and it's possible to have a bad conscience. He said having a good conscience for some people have rejected their moral compass and have made a shipwreck of their faith among these are Hymnaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, so that they will be disciplined and taught not to blaspheme. The word blaspheme means irreverent behavior towards anything held sacred or priceless. Yeah. Irreverent behavior towards anything held sacred or priceless. That's what blasphemy means. So, Paul writing to Timothy, his son. I'm going to read another scripture after now, but I just wanted to follow me gradually. Paul writing to Timothy, his son. And in the day that Paul wrote this letter, you know, Paul wrote many epistles. Colossians, Ephesians, Corinthians, Philippians, and all. Paul will write, anytime you see at the end or at the beginning, that he did not say, written with my hand. It meant he spoke, he dictated it to a letter writer to write. The writer of the letter, stay with me, will study Paul's body language, where he was angry, where he raised the tone of his voice and all that. After writing it, they then put it in the hand of the guy, accompanied by another messenger, then they go deliver it to the church. So if it's Colossians, when you get to Colossae, you gather the church together, and they'll say the apostle has sent a letter. And the guy who wrote it will read it. Minding the innuendos, the body language, the tone of voice, and everything. So that people will get him straight and clear. Now, Paul writing this letter to Timothy meant it was supposed to be a personal letter. But Timothy will read a part of it to the church. Because, you know, he said, this child I give to you, my son, Timothy. He was writing him to encourage him. But Paul, when I read this part, 
I said, this apostle is mean. Because I'm not sure if I can do this. Paul went a little further to mention specifics of guys within the church that Timothy was pastoring who've had their hearts seared with hot iron and who were no longer responding to the word of faith. Who has made a shipwreck of their faith because of bad conscience. And Paul wouldn't spare them even in his writing. He wrote one name, Imnaeus, and another one, Alexander. When I was reading this part of the scripture recently, I was asking myself, can I be this bold to write people's name? And to follow up with the name, Paul said, I've committed them to Satan. <laughs> he said that they may learn discipline and learn not to blaspheme. Literally speaking, Paul did not hand them over to Satan. He prayed to Satan to have them and deal with them. Because their hearts were no longer open to the word of God. Are you still with me this morning? A few questions. If Paul was to be writing this letter in modern day, will your name enter? Yeah. Will, 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 will you be mentioned among the guys who's, who have lost their conscience? Because Paul also wrote about some other people when he would say, Great. For me, this person in, in you know at the church at this person's house said he took care of me, said their hearts were open. But this time around he said, Look, I can even give you some names. <laughs> he said that their heart has become callous. You know, the Bible says the word of God is like two edged sword. He said it pierced through the asunder of bone and marrow. He said it's a dishonor of thought, you know, and all that. But you know, some people's heart, you use sword. Or knife because the heart is stone, it can cut through. Have you tried to cut a stone with a knife before? If you like sharpen the stone, sharpen the stone, you can't cut through. That's why our hearts are not supposed to be a heart of stone but a heart of flesh. That's the one that the word of God can cut through easily. Is somebody still following me today? Because many people come to church with a heart of stone. As you are preaching, the word at them is bouncing back at you. Because they've made up their mind that the word will not penetrate. You know, you can get to a point in your life where you have gotten too involved in many funny stuff. Those things have mounted guard and garrison against the word of God in your heart. So that when somebody's talking to you, you feel like, no, he's talking to my neighbor. Because me, I'm not ready to change. Nothing will happen around here. Let's forget it. Yeah. So everything is over the bar. It's just going, 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 you know, as the word is coming. That's a heart of stone. Can you hear me ask your neighbor, which art did you bring to church today? Ask them, stone of flesh, stone of flesh. Ask somebody, ask smiling so that they will think you are cooperating. Say, say stone of flesh, stone of flesh. <laughs> praise God. I said, praise God. So you see from this passage of the scripture that it's possible to have a heart of stone. It's possible to have a heart of flesh. It's possible to have a heart that is seared. Yeah. That can't feel the word of God, can't feel the move of the spirit, can't feel a conviction. Because we live in a country where it's becoming too hard for people to feel a conviction. It's becoming too hard. I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you explain it? I was talking to a pastor uh, not too long ago who said, you know, he worked with... Um, a company and they wanted to 
pitch, you know, for a contract with the federal government. And then when he told him which parastata uh, the company was going to pitch for the contract, he realized that, he, I mean, he worshipped in a denomination around here in Nigeria. He realized that his area pastor was uh, the DG of the, of the parastata. So he said, oh, I will lead the team. My pastor will, will, will help us and just, you know, listen to us and, you know, help us to file for the contract and all that. When they got there, they, they met the younger officers. They, they have been telling them, this is what you are going to do. This is how we are going to share the money. This is... And the guy was feeling bad. He said, no, don't worry. I know the DG. He's our pastor. And he got there. He met a big Bible on his table. Uh, um, the message of the pastor, of, the overall pastor was playing. And then they sat down. And the man, looking at him, greeted him as a church member. I said, okay, let's get to business. I hope my boys have briefed you. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to do it. The brother said he was just looking like this. Yeah. That's the kind of country we live in right now. So it has to be beyond Sunday Christianity. Because if it's just about Sunday Christianity, it's okay to be a pastor on Sunday and be a corrupt person during the week. If it's not going to be beyond Sunday Christianity, then it will be okay for you to be a brother on Sunday and be a tyrant in the course of the week. Yeah. Is somebody say with me this morning? Glory be to Jesus. I said glory be to Jesus. Let's read the second scripture. The second scripture. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. Second Timothy 2 and verse 19. Also from the Amplified Translation. Second Timothy 2 and 19. Amplified Translation. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God which he has laid stands sure and unshaken despite attacks bearing his seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who, is, who's, who names the name of the Lord stand apart from wickedness and withdraw from wrongdoing. So stand apart from wickedness and withdraw from wrongdoing. Last scripture. Last scripture. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. I'll read from New Living Translation. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. New Living Translation says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead. Somebody say, I plead. In this part of the world, we say, I beg. Yeah. I beg with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So it's beyond Sunday worship. So this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by his word. Let God transform you into a new person by his word. By his word. By Changing the way you think. <laughs> changing the way you think. I want you to hear me tell your neighbor, say it's time to change the way you think. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Glory be to Jesus. It's time to change the way we think. There's a way you can adapt your conscience to your environment. 
There's another way that you can allow your conscience to receive signal from somewhere else so that your environment is not conditioning your conscience. Your conscience is conditioning your environment. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me today? Very, very important. It's extremely important that we understand that. There are so many things today that demonstrate what's going on in our environment. So if you, if you live here in Nigeria, you'll be conversant with some of the things, some of the headlines. We made it up, but just understand. These are some of the headlines. Leave Yahoo boys alone. They had to the economy and the politicians take from it. Both Yahoo boys, which are people who do advance free forward, um, and the politicians, they're doing the same thing. Corruption is corruption. But you know, in the past few weeks, you, 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 you're reading on social media, and you some people routing for Yahoo boys. Yeah. To say, leave them. Yeah, at least they're adding to the economy. How can we become so depraved in our minds? How can we become so depraved in our minds to even come to the point where we can make a, a, a case for moral decadence? Because that was what happened on social media in the past few weeks. A lot of people making a case for moral decadence. Yeah. Comparing a set of people with a set of people. At least they are better than politicians. They are bringing money into the economy. By defrauding other people. You see, there's a way you can continue to listen to things like this. It starts to shape your conscience. It starts to shape your conscience. 7,200 Nigerians flee to Canada seeking asylum. That's between January and end of April. Yeah. Taking illegal route with a visiting visa to, to the U.S. and then go to Canada and seek asylum. We read about some of these things and it don't... After a while, we just feel uh, they're looking for greener pastor now. You know, if government cannot help us, we help ourselves. It's okay if unbelievers talk like that. But when believers start to talk like that, the word of God is no longer finding connection with our hearts. Yeah. You know what happened a few weeks ago, about two weeks ago or so? I think the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Canada came to Nigeria to meet with our Vice President and some officials to beg to tell them that Nigerians should please take it easy. <laughs> And then they send a signal to the High Commission, the, 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 the American Embassy, to step down 10% on the amount of visas that are being issued from this period. So if you have been refused a visa for this period and you have something important to go and do in the U.S., your brothers cost it. Yeah. It's a dividend of bad behavior. Because all of these 7,200 people got a U.S. visiting visa. They got to the U.S. and headed straight, especially to the New York border. Yeah. And just walked through the border. And said, we have been persecuted where we are coming from. Uh, you know, they have stolen my mommy and my daddy. That's why, or they captured us. That's why, you know, I, 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 nobody. And that, that's a graduate. Yeah. And so a lot of these things were just getting used to them. By the day, Nigerians relocate to the U.S. using visiting visa. How can they give you six months visa? And you, you converted it to a stay. Yeah. Because somebody got a U.S. visiting visa six months and sold off everything that he had and said, bye-bye, Nigeria. <laughs> and in the visa that they gave you, they wrote it there six months, no recourse to government or to work. You don't have any right to work. Just visit. You're a tourist. Look at, uh, you know, Empire State Building. Walk on uh, Wall Street. 
just look, look around and come back home. That's the visa they gave you. And then, lack of conscience made you to turn it to a resident visa or to a work permit on your own. And we think it's by behaving like this and allowing it to even creep into the church that Nigeria is going to get better. Ladies and gentlemen, please hear me and hear me well. Not everyone will have to fulfill his destiny abroad. Some, some have to relocate, but not everybody. If you are not supposed to be there, after you have suffered a while, they will bundle you back in Jesus' name. Yes. But that's the truth. Just hear me well. Because that's the kind of prayer I pray for you. I'm being open to you. My mentor in praying that kind of prayer is Apostle Paul. Paul looked at Emmaus and Alexander. He said, I commit them to Satan. That I may teach them sense. You know, that they will learn not to blaspheme. It's one thing for God to plant you somewhere. It's another thing for you to uproot yourself and replant yourself. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not give any excuse for bad behavior. No excuses. Environmental influence is not good enough. As a Christian, the word of God cannot lead you astray. The blood of Jesus cannot lead you astray. The Bible talks about the blood. It says it purges our conscience from dead works. When you refuse the blood to purge your conscience from dead works, you will grow in dead works. After a while, your conscience becomes seared and dead. You will do evil and you won't flinch. That's where, that was where Alexander and Emmanuel got to. The apostle said, as an apostle, I commit them to Satan. To deal with them. Because their consciences were dead. If you are here listening to me this morning. And it looks like you are, you are suffering from dead conscience. I pray for you today that my God will awaken your conscience. In the name of the Lord Jesus. If that letter was to be written today, will your name enter? I was telling them on the island in the first service that if that letter was to be written today, if you give notepad to women to write, some people will write their husband's name because they know that this man doesn't have conscience. Just comes to church on Sunday, but during the week is a tyrant. Yeah. No effect. The word of God has no effect on his conscience or our conscience. Are you still with me today? It's very important that we understand this. Yeah. We, you know, we can go on and on with all those things. Uh, many things, you know, people who falsify their age to get a job. The Bible says the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. You can give any excuse. One of our pastors, uh, you know, was telling me this. Uh, they were to, to write the exam to get in. No, they had passed the exam to get into the training school of a bank. And the age limit, I think, was 25 this was a few years ago. All of his friends, they finished from the same university. They all wrote. They went, saw Abidavid, and changed their age. Some of them are still, he said some of them are managers and senior managers in that bank today. Illegality has become part of their life. Yeah. No conscience. You see, when you get a job that way, you will change figure. Mm. Because you started by changing figure. Yeah. You change the figure for you to enter. When you get in and they tell you change that figure, because you are used to it, you graduate, you grow in it. 
Yeah. You grow in it. And you don't know that you can never live in God's perfect way for your life that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's why some people, it looks like they're building something up and all of a sudden, yeah. All of a sudden it comes down. Because you started building on a false foundation. Somebody say, I'm hearing pastor. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm hearing him. Tell your neighbor, this is a good church. <laughs> you know why I said that? Somebody is already doubting. Now, why did I come today? Why did I come today? <laughs> yeah, why did, why did I come? Who, who sent me here today? <laughs> you know, I was preaching last Sunday at the Island Center. I, I, I was so sure of what was in the man's heart. One man was looking at me. Who was looking at me? Obviously, he was saying, if you see me here again. <laughs> I'm telling you, I could read that, ah, this is one chance. <laughs> I entered by mistake. That was what the man was in his mind <laughs> as I was preaching. <laughs> you know, like last Sunday when we were sharing about uh, 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 Nigerian God. Uh, I'm sure Pastor Debo read something to you about the way people pray about everything, including arm robbers before operation. They ask for God to go with them. They're praying to the Nigerian God, the one who can condone lawlessness. Yeah. When a woman, a man will be, you know, receiving a, a, a call from his girlfriend and the wife is there, went into the bathroom to take it and then say, Hey, babe, what's up? I say, Are you coming this weekend? I say, By God's grace. Which God are we talking about? Is it the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Or the Nigerian God? I was preaching that last Sunday. The way one man was looking at me. I knew he has been receiving that kind of call. As in, it looked like he wanted to shoot me. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. There are important questions we need to ask ourselves. When do you think integrity doesn't matter? Is there a time that integrity doesn't matter? Yeah. Is there a time that integrity doesn't matter? Because according to the scriptures, it matters all of the time. All of the time. All of the time. There's no time that integrity doesn't matter. Even when you are in a fix. Because the reason why you are in a fix is to prove that God can bring you out of every situation. We read about Daniel last Sunday. Uh, Daniel got into, you know, a situation, a fix, a test of his integrity. Where they threw him into the lion's den. And he did not renounce God because integrity matters all of the time. And that's the only way you start to see God show up for you. When you realize that integrity matters all the time. Secondly, would you renounce Christ for a free pass? Because a lot of the time we, we choose, it's, easiest, it's the easiest thing for most Christians to renounce Christ for a free pass. The easiest thing. And the last one is what has happened to your conscience. You see, when you feel that integrity doesn't matter all the time, it matters once in a while. It matters when your children are around. If you have children, you understand. 
Because if you have my kind of ch- children, you can't break traffic light. You won't hear the end of it. Yeah. One time, the light was yellow. I moved. My daughter said, Daddy, it was yellow. I said, yeah, yellow. Yellow means... I said, he, said, he said, what does yellow mean? He was asking me. He, she knew what she wanted to say. So I said, ah, yellow means get ready to stop. And, you know, I was already, the speed with which I was coming, I just had to go. He said, no. He said, yellow means you should stop. <laughs> because you are already out of time. He said, it's only on green that you go. I allowed her to lecture me. And I had to say, okay, now I understand. I understand. Because that's the only way the argument can stop. Because the way their teacher taught them at school was not the way we taught ourselves. <laughs> I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. <laughs> Especially if you didn't go to driving school, we know we taught ourselves. Yellow means move fast, move fast, quickly go. He <laughs> said, quickly go before red comes. Yeah. <laughs> so, do we think integrity only matters when your kids are around or when? You know, when you are in church or when a brother is around or when a sister is around. Because as a point you can get to, you feel like integrity doesn't matter at all times. A few years ago, in fact, many years ago, I just finished school. I think it was my first year of working. I decided to, to go on holiday. My friend was studying for his uh, master's degree in Ghana. It was the University of Ghana in Le- at Legon. So I decided to just spend my leave with him. So I, I traveled to Ghana on holiday. And then one, one weekend, it was just about 10 days, one weekend um, we decided to go to the national park. We call it Kakum National Park. Yeah. You know, where you have the skywalk and different things. So we went there. When we got there, my friend happened to be a student. He was a postgraduate student. So we realized that the pass, which was about maybe 120 cities, uh, for students, they, you, you have like 50 or 70% off. My friend looked at me and said, we're all students. I said, yes. <laughs> yeah. he, had, he had his own ID card. So he was one that went in front and said, we're students, but he didn't have his ID card. You know, this is my own, you know, da, da, da. And then we paid. As we walked through, I just felt the Holy Ghost telling me, this is how people walk into hell. <laughs> I felt like, what kind of voice am I hearing now? I wanted to bind the devil. That that's, and you know, we're going to go on that skywalk, on the rope. Something was telling me, if you fall from here now, you know, you, you didn't pay the right amount. <laughs> I must let you know that I didn't enjoy the visit to that park. My internal regulator kept working on me until at the point I said, Lord, I am sorry. I've repented. This will not happen again. I'm not a student. Yeah. You know, when you have that kind of an experience and you went to the park and you had fun, the next day, in fact, you'll be a secondary school student <laughs> to get another free pass for something. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. And that's how you get used to it. It keeps growing and growing and growing until it becomes a regular part of your life. Because that's how we graduate in this matter. Fast forward, a few years later, this was about 15 years ago, 
I was studying for my master's degree at the University of Lagos, a master's degree in law. And um, my background was in engineering. So I just wanted to study a bit of law. And I asked them. They said, well, this is, uh, you know, the master's degree in international law and diplomacy. So I was admitted to study for my master's degree in law. And um, I had people who were doing their second master's degree. They, had, they, they, they already finished their LLM. I was like fish out of water because I was used to numbers, you know, and stuff like that. Now I was studying law, common law, you know, was studying humanities, uh, politics, international political organizations, you know, uh, different things like that, jurisprudence, general principles of international law. So the core course was a five-unit course, jurisprudence. Everybody you know, was afraid because they said, oh, a lot of people don't pass it. And if you fail that course, you cannot graduate. You have to come back. Who should be afraid? Me, because I studied engineering in my first degree. So the day of the exam, we were in the classroom, in this University of Lagos here, we were in the classroom. Men, postgraduate student, most of us married men. I got married that year, 15 years ago, yeah. I got married that year. I was preparing for my wedding as I was writing that exam. Married men with children. One guy came in. About eight of us were sitting around the table studying together. And he said, hey guys, I have the question. I have the question. Wow. I have the question. <laughs> so, as we looked around, looked around, some of them started smiling. Okay, I sit, sit, sit. I just packed my book. Something told me, if you overthink this thing, you will sit. I just packed my book. As I was working out, one of them called me, ah, Godman, come now. In my heart, I was saying, you call me Godman. And he said, I should come. <laughs> even, even if my name should not even tell me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, as I was walking away, I walked into the next classroom, sat down there. My heart was beating. Big boom. Big boom. Something was telling me, if you fail this course, you're on your own. God has helped you. You refuse help. You know, that's how some people believe. They gave you six months visa. I said, God has helped you to relocate. Which God? Yeah, if at all, God said, go and see the place. So that you can apply your faith more until you get a real work permit. Then you can go. So you stop disgracing us. Yeah. So I went, I sat down in that classroom, reading alone. After I went, my heart calmed down. Then the Holy Spirit started to talk to me that you do the right thing. Yeah, that's the right thing. You have studied. Keep studying. You know, 20 more minutes. Go and write your exam. We got into the exam hall. I saw those, like, seven or eight of them. They sat in a ring. Plus, all the questions they saw, they were still passing papers. I finished the exam before all of them. Because I wasn't passing anything. You understand? Just write the one you know and go. I left. Some of them failed that course. I think I had a B in that course. Yeah. Now, this is, the, this is the, the, the real kicker. One of them came to meet me the next exam day. And he said, I salute your courage for what happened yesterday. He said, are you a pastor? I was still looking at him. He said, whether you are a pastor or not, Shami, I need prayer. <laughs> After the exam, I will see you so you can pray for me. Yeah. yeah. One came like three or four days later. said, I spoke to my friend though. He said, it looks like you are a pastor because you prayed with him. I have marital problem. You will need to pray for me too. I didn't reveal my identity. I was a, an associate pastor in this Christian center then. 
I just went to class, did my stuff, and went. Let your light shine. Yeah. Let your light shine. How do you beam your light if you join forces with darkness? Yeah. How do you beam your light? Because we said we have many churches in Nigeria, yet Nigeria is not getting better. It's because we in the church have allowed our consciences to become dead. Our light can no longer shine. We're joining forces with darkness to increase the intensity of the darkness rather than shining our light. Glory be to Jesus. Now, you can see a progression. This was me a few years before then. Ordinary pass to, to the national park. I lied. More weightier matters of life. I refuse to compromise. That's growth. Can I, can, can I help somebody here this morning? Wherever you are right now, all you need to desire is I need some movement in the right direction. I want to grow a little more. I want to grow a little more. You may have messed up last week, but you need to grow this week. Yeah. You need to be able to take some better decisions before the end of this year. That's what I'm talking about. God expects us to keep growing and keep improving. So we need to, you know, not just be a religious person. Because you, you may be religious, but ungodly. Religion and being godly is a diff- they're two different things. Paul said uh, that some have a form of religion, but they deny the power. The power to make it change. How can we be a nation that seek the power of God for healing, but we don't seek the power of God for character? And it's the same power. Is the one that is at work within us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Many people have, you know, quest in their heart to seek the power of God for breakthrough financially. But have you, are you seeking the power of God to be stronger in character? Because the same miracle that raised the dead is the same miracle that gives righteousness. That's why Jesus said, which one is easier? When he, when he healed a man and he said, why are you uh, healing a man on the Sabbath day? He said, which one is easier? To say your sins are forgiven you, or to say rise up and take your bed. Because it's the same, same power. Yeah, your, your sins are forgiven you, it's the same power. Rise up and take your bed. That means you can be healed. It's the same power. We just need to have it at the back of our mind. Yeah. Some of the biggest healing crusades in the world hold in Nigeria. Because we will believe that God can heal them. But they don't believe God can make them straight. Yeah. <laughs> That's the issue. How can we believe that God can raise the dead? We don't believe God can raise dead character. And that God can wake up dead conscience. The same Jesus that raised Lazarus from the dead can raise somebody's conscience here today from the dead. Yeah. So you can start to feel the power of God inside you. As I start to round off, two more points. One is that Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Romans 12 and verse 1 to 2. It says, So dear brothers and sisters, New Living Translation, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is the true way to worship him. So verse 2 says, 
Don't copy bad, I mean, don't copy the behavior of this world or bad behavior or custom. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let me explain that a bit and then one more point. We need to understand one thing that when you submit your life to Jesus, you give your life to Jesus, you are a newborn. In the natural, when the child is born, the child came with a clean slate. They call it tabula rasa. Whatever you write on the heart of that child is what stays. So environment will write, parents will write, school teacher and schoolmates will write. Everybody is writing. It depends on who writes first. That's why you have to raise your own children yourself by speaking to them. Yeah. All of us are writing there. By the time a child is getting to like seven, eight, that table, that slate is almost full. That's when they say they are formed. Are you getting me? Conversely, in the spirit, when I gave my life to Christ, maybe you are 21 or 30, you give your life to Christ. You did not come clean slate. Your slate was already loaded. Loaded with all sorts. <laughs> are you still with me? Uh-huh. All sorts. Some people by 25, you have done 10 relationships. Yeah. Each relationship wrote something. Wrote, wrote. And affected your world view. Some have gone to all kinds of schools before that. Affected your world view. A lot of things you have encountered in the body house in different places. With wicked, uh, uh, you know, stepmother, stepsister, and diff- all kinds of things. Now that you are in Christ, the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing. To renew means to make new again. For a child in the natural, it was always new. We wrote on it. We have to overwrite. If I can use computer language. You overwrite on that file with the word of God. That's how you live a sound Christian life. Is somebody say with me today? So it's extremely important that we have that at the back of our mind. If not... What happens? You carry that same slate, that hard drive, and you want to live with it now that you are in Christ. So many people are born again, but their minds are not renewed. It takes a commitment to the renewing of your mind for you to enjoy a godly walk with God. Yeah. It takes a commitment to the renewing of your mind. A commitment to the renewing of your mind. And you have to be aware of the bad wagon effect. The bad wagon effect says it's a psychological phenomenon in which people do some things primarily because other people are doing it. Regardless of their own beliefs which they may ignore or override. That's a bad wagon effect. Many Nigerians live bad wagon effect. Yeah. Even in church. A lot of the time I observe to one service almost ending like this now. You just need one person to stand. You see many people standing. Somebody who has not even taught before. You don't have any appointment after service. You're not rushing anywhere. But just because somebody stood and walked out, said, me too, I can do it now. Yeah. And you just see, that's how we do. But we're going to affect everywhere. You, you see people facing one way in traffic. You just, say, you just need one person to do it. Yeah, I say, yeah. 
Let's, let's take the place too. No police. Everybody. What about your own internal regulator? That says you can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah. You can't do that. That's not the right thing to do. And you stay there. Yeah. You stay there. Because it's wrong. The fact that they are going does not make it right. It's a wrong way to pass. Are you still with me today? Lastly. Lastly. Just give me three minutes. I'm done. But five. Lastly. There are two tests of character. Two tests of character. One is adversity. The second one is prosperity. Whichever you are enjoying right now is a test. And I need to understand it. I need to understand it. Adversity tests stability. While prosperity will test integrity. Yeah. Prosperity is a test of integrity. Adversity is a test of stability. Adversity pushes people towards helplessness, leading to desperation. That's why we're seeing the kind of behavior we're seeing in our country. Because when you face hardship, you think any road is your road. Whatever will work, anything, whether it's right or wrong, let's just do it. You have failed the test of adversity. Proverbs 24 and verse number 10. Scripture says, if you fail in the day of adversity, it said your strength is small. One translation says, if you fail to perform under pressure, you are a poor specimen. Yeah. You're not good enough. Adversity is often a test. A test of your stability. It's a test of character. One man faced adversity in the Bible. I love him. And that man, we should study him more in Nigeria. Because we have seen adversity here. Economic crashing most of the time. Wicked people dealing with our economy anyhow, throwing it up and down. And, you know, people's assets being devalued on a daily basis. Many things happening. But it's a test of our character. It's not supposed to push us into bad behavior. Job, in Job chapter 1, have you read about him before? Job, the Bible says, was one of the richest men in the East. God was boasting and bragging about Job to the point that he got Satan's attention. So the Bible says in verse 1 of Job chapter 1, The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth. Verse 3. Yeah, that's, that, that, go to verse 3. There's none like him on the earth. Sorry, I'm, I'm reading from verse 8. Yes, verse 8. Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth. It's blameless. Blameless. Upright. One who fears God. And shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear you? Fear God for nothing? Is it not because you have made... A hedge around him and blah, 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 blah. Cut a long story short. God said, okay, let's try his integrity. Touch everything that he has. Don't touch his life. So, Caesar said, deal and deal. And, and that was it. And you know the story. How in one day, Job's businesses collapsed. His children died. All kinds of things happened. Serious adversity. Even his wife looked at him and said, curse God and die. 
when Job 13, when you read verse 15 and 16, Job said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation. For a hypocrite could not come before him. <laughs> that was after he had suffered everything. Job, ladies and gentlemen, passed the test of adversity. Will you pass the test of adversity? Because we live in a country where people will say, it's because I, I don't have anybody to send me to school. That's why I'm doing prostitution. Lack of money is adversity. It shouldn't lead you to doing what you are not supposed to do. Are you still with me today? Job passed the test of adversity. He passed the test of prosperity first. Because he was one of the richest men in the East. And the Bible had judged him to be a righteous man. And he sacrificed to God on a daily basis. And he prayed to God on a daily basis. In his prosperity, he was not moved. Satan envied him his prosperity. God said, you know what? Job will not only pass the prosperity test. It will also pass the adversity test. In one lifetime, just one lifetime, they tested Job. Prosperity and adversity, the man was standing. Was standing. You know some people will say, me, I cannot commit fornication. You don't have money. Yeah. You don't have, when money comes to your hand, that's when we know whether you can pass the test of prosperity. Because you now have money to finance your whims and caprices. Yeah. You can do and undo. That's when you have passed the test. Stop bragging when you are poor. I'm telling you the truth. Job was rich and righteous. Rich and righteous. He was brought back to poverty, yet righteous. Passing the test of prosperity and passing the test of adversity. Yeah. That's when you are passed the test. That's when you are passed the test. Nigeria, let's not give excuse because of adversity. Some people have suffered more adversity and yet they stood for God. You know, I read something and it broke my heart about this uh, Leah Sharibu. Some people said, the girl is crazy. That is youthfulness that is worrying her. That's not just for you to just renounce Jesus and when you get back to your parents' house, you just tell Jesus that you're sorry and then he accepts you back. Why would you allow yourself to stay in Boko Haram's hand just because he said you should renounce Jesus and recite the Quran and say you are now a Muslim? That is not just something to say. And then you. God used that girl to teach all of us as a nation a serious lesson that Daniel was not a ruse. It was not a funny story. It was real. There are still Daniels in our day that will not bow in the face of AK-47 rifle. rifle. That's what God is using. But you see, the conscience of our nation was already dead. I mean, I read a lot of comments online. Sometimes it almost makes you, gets you depressed when you read. You know why I read comments when somebody makes a post? Because I want to know how Nigerians are thinking. And a lot of the time, it just messes up my mind to say, this is how people think. This is how people think. You know, if they don't give that, that lady the national award, the Christians, we should give her award. To make us proud that Bible days are here again. Yeah. And when they write the history of Christianity in Nigeria, our name should be written in gold. In gold. But you have adults 
who will pee on themselves, prostrate immediately and say, Jesus, I know you not, I know you not, I don't know you, you know. Bring me fatty, let me read it. Quickly, quickly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> glory be to Jesus. I said, glory be to Jesus. Lift your two hands to Jesus today. Just pray in the spirit if you can. I see the spirit of God is here. The spirit of God is here. Lift your two hands to him. Pray in the spirit if you can. Pray in the spirit if you can. Father, we thank you for your presence. You are the refiner's fire. You are the one who can wash us inside out. Jesus, you said it's impossible for the camel to pass through the eye of the needle. Said it's easier for the camel to pass through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And you told your disciples it may be impossible with man, but with God all things are possible. That means you are the one that helps us. That means you are the one that hates us. That means that you're the one that strengthens us in our character. We release ourselves to you today. And we ask that you strengthen us. That you hate somebody. That you wake up somebody's conscience in this service. Lift your hands to him. And say, Holy Spirit, fill my heart afresh. Fill my mind. Fill my heart. Fill my conscience. Let something wake up on my inside. I refuse to blend. I refuse 